Hi, I'm Neil Malonsal. Welcome to the Twyla After Show. We just got done shooting the show and we're all here in the studio. I'm with, of course, Carl Wiggers, my co-producer and the co-host Avery Davidson and Kristen Oaks. We're going to get right into it because there's a flood of stuff that we have to talk about. The first part of the show is heavy, heavy on uh, all of the water going on in Louisiana. And this week I spent a considerable amount of time going through South Louisiana, Morgan City and uh, Iberia Parish uh, talking to folks about the the water and really guys my story this week is kind of three parts how it affects morgan city the in urban area uh secondly how it affects the farms and fields around that that area and third how it's going to affect off the coast because this flood does affect you know the gulf of mexico as much as the farmland and the thing i think that unites all three parts of it was something that happened while we were on the seawall there in morgan city which this family came up and they were looking at the high water there it was two generations um people who had lived there since before 73 when the last time they opened the morganza spillway uh, all the way up through now and that's what i think unites the farmers the fishermen and the residents of Morgan City is this just apprehension about all this water. When you go out into the rural areas, you can see we are just surrounded by an unusual amount of water. So when you talk about opening that spillway and adding a foot, two feet onto that, it just makes people nervous, even if you know it's not going to have the effects that they might think. Did you talk to some of the people there that have have been there for you know other times they've opened the floodway? I did. That was the Escort family that was there. That's their their last name, uh, Thaddeus Escort, and his mom and his wife. They had never seen water levels like this. See, in 2011. The, the water got this high, if not a little bit higher, when they opened the spillway, but we didn't have all the backwater that we have now. And so that's what they're they're seeing because they're leaving the seawall in Morgan City and they're driving down 70 where there's water on the road there. Yeah, I mean, when you go back to 2011, we were in drought outside of the levees. Yeah, so a lot of the water that came out of the Morganza control structure ended up getting absorbed by the by the ground. It didn't all make it way to the Chafalaya River. This go-round, ground's a little more saturated. Well, if you drive over I-10 over the Chafalaya Spillway, you can see that water's already up to the top brand, the, the bottom branches of those trees in there. It's just, I mean, it, there's just a lot of water around. You talked about, you talked about the fishermen, and I, I don't know if you mentioned fishermen, but off off the coast, mm-hmm. you know, further away from the city, how is that affecting the shrimpers in, in that area? Well, the shrimpers, there is the saying right now is there's no shrimp in Vermilion Bay right now. All that fresh water is pushing it out there, and when they open the spillway, it's going to be even worse. Uh, Thomas Olander, who's head of the, the, he's the chair of the Louisiana Shrimp Association, is having to go 100 miles, if not more, Oof to find shrimp and their catch just isn't as great. I saw an article today that uh, the same thing is going on in the Lake Pontchartrain where people looking for crabs. They're usually 30, 40 boxes this time of year. They're down to 10% of that. And that's on a good day that they're catching three to four boxes worth of crabs. Oh, sorry, Kristen. No, I was just going to ask if there were any oyster beds in that area. There are. I mean, there are through the state, and this freshwater doesn't help them. I haven't seen uh, this. Just me being ignorant, you know, but they can't move. That's exactly right. I mean, it doesn't matter how far out they go. There's, you know, they're stuck right there. I'll never forget what when we did the oil spill coverage, oh, what yeah. she said, she said, you know, I don't know if oil will kill oysters. She said, but I know that fresh water will. Yeah, it will. <laughs> and and so when you talk about opening that Morganza spillway, 
even in areas where it might not directly affect it, they're still just nervous. It's just part of all of this water that's that's in the state right now. I know, Avery, you went further north uh, than I did, mm-hmm. and, and you're still seeing kind of a tale of two cities. It is. It's, you know, I went and visit with uh, Jim Harper over there in Cheneyville, and, you know, he farms 9,500 acres. He does everything from rice to crawfish to sugar cane to soybeans, and what was amazing, we, we, I went out there and put my drone up and took a look at everything all around, and it was dry. It was really, really dry. Uh, fortunately, he's been able to get everything planted. Now, I went about 30 miles away over to Evangeline Parish to visit with Richard Fontenot, and I did the exact same thing. I put that drone up, and over his rice fields, he was looking over my shoulder and saw the picture there. He was like, there's not supposed to be water there. It wasn't draining off the way that he hoped it would after he pumped it, pumped it onto the field. So they're still having some problems with getting some of the water off in Evangeline Parish. And that's not because of necessarily backwater. That's going to be a lot more of saturation and all the rain that we've been getting, the steady rains. But even then, he's only 50% done planting his soybeans. I mean, we're coming up on some hard deadlines, especially when it comes to government coverage and that sort of thing. So, you know, these folks, they've got they're really trying to work hard to get everything out. But what stopped him planting that day wasn't that it was dry or that it was raining at the time. The forecast is what we're having right now, this tropical moisture. There are some models that showed five inches of rain falling on those fields. That's just too much whenever you just plant something in the ground. It'll wash everything away. Well, Landon said he was amazed, you know, that we, we've had a pretty long dry spell recently. You know, it, it's been extremely hot. The wind's been blowing. Everything, every characteristic that you would want to dry your fields out has been there. He said, and there's that, when they get into some of those areas of the fields, he said, there's that very thin layer of crust where it seems dry. He said, and then it's just gumbo underneath. He said, and, and it's just amazing. He said, you would think with all of the wind and all of the extreme hot temperature, he said, you'd think it would dry out. He said, and it's just not drying out. And it sounds like that's the same story across the state. And he's actually a couple miles away from the Mississippi River, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then the area he was talking about is even, that's the furthest from the Mississippi River is the area he's talking about that just won't dry up. That's crazy. Going from that, we, um, I know we've, uh, the, the folks up further north you went to visit, uh, yeah. Carl, and that's um, the Tomlinsons. as the third part of the life in our story. They're dealing with some water. Yeah, well, I mean, that's something that's been kind of a story of the, the whole spring. And actually, Friday, uh, I went with uh, Andy Brown, the new commodity uh, associate commodity director, assistant commodity director, and we rode up uh, Highway 65 on Friday to visit with some farmers to get some videos because we're doing a video. Kristen's working on a video for convention. So I was in the northeast Louisiana area Friday, and I was seeing some of those same stories, hearing those same stories from farmers that Avery was just talking about with, you know, some farmers on dry land or needing a rain. And then the same, another farmer down the road has, he's fighting his center pivot system that's getting stuck in seepage water. He's got to water it, but there's still seepage water. It was just, it's such a uh, a balance, he said. It's, it's You can't find it right now. Oh. I'm not, we're not going to see balance for quite some time. I mean, especially because we're moving, we're in hurricane season now. Balance goes out the window at that point. I think and that's the only thing that I can, it is like 2011 because you were dealing with, you've got farmers that like Kyle McCann was talking about earlier, that picture, he said, this tells the story of what's going on in Louisiana with there's some beans that are drying up. There's some that are underwater and there's mm-hmm. some that, you know, 
are wilting from not enough rain. So, And add on top of all of that, right now it's hurricane season. By the way, Jay Grimes, I interviewed him. He's the meteorologist at uh, WAFB, and he's one of the climatologists here in the state. I talked to him about hurricane season. That's going to be one of our extras there. I won't spoil what he what he said here. But, Spoiler alert. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> but uh, I know there was a meeting in New Orleans this week about what happens when a hurricane plows up north uh northwest through the state and and it's uh you know right now it's 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 not looking good with all this this water i will say that so back to what you were just asking me about with philip and carrie tomlinson they farm just outside of lake providence um louisiana far northeast louisiana corner um which is a big port area there's a lot of ports right there along the mississippi river at lake providence that a lot of these northeast louisiana farmers are shipping their grain to so i actually got i talked to him some about that and, you know, we got farmers down here that are just, or maybe not farmers, just everybody is just freaking out about the Mississippi. But Philip was talking about the kind of the importance of the river. And, you know, as much as we want to cuss it right now with it being so high and we're freaking out about that, it's still like the most, it's the lifeblood of, you know, our economy. Oh, I mean, we depend on it for shipping. We depend on it for our petrochemical industries. But what a lot of folks need to also remember is This is not our water, as Garrett Graves talked about last week. This is water from most of North America. I mean, going up all the way into two Canadian provinces, coming straight down here. So it's kind of like, not to bring up something that might sound a little bit politically charged, but it's kind of like the difference between weather and climate. The weather may be dry here, but if it's wet somewhere else, it's also going to funnel here. Yeah. It was just an interesting conversation to have with Philip. Because, you know, one of the struggles he's been talking about with, you know, while I was doing his story, I was talking about what are the struggles you face as a farmer? And he said the windows and the way he, I was like, that's an interesting way to put it. But he said the windows of time we've had to work because of the rains and now we're asking for rain. And, you know, it's just all it's just a nonstop kind of struggle. Um, he wasn't saying poor pitiful me. He was just saying that's just the challenge of farming, you know, in Louisiana. You got dry times, you got wet times, and it seems like they never come when you need them. Well, I think one of the challenges that we also face is normally when disaster hits in Louisiana, it's after everything is already invested in the crop. All your money's already right. out there. Your seed, your fertilizer, your time, your effort, all of that is already in there. And then a bunch of rain comes and wipes out. A, a hurricane comes in and wipes it out. And I know a lot of folks are are very hard on disaster provisions in the farm bill or maybe look at things like that as a handout. But if you've already invested all of your money into what you're doing for your livelihood and you get no return, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the most you're going to get back with crop insurance is 60, 70 percent. So your house notice $2,000 a month, but because of what's happened, you're only going to get 60% of that. You're not covering everything you need to survive. No, and, it, and, and if you have taken out a loan, which I would say 99% of farmers in Louisiana have. How much is your loan, Kristen? How much is your loan? Landon White would kill don't, me if I divulged that. that information. But even if you do get that what and, and the word handout and bailout really mm. hangs the reds on me because it is I, there's just so much so many misconceptions that I've seen on social media recently with all of this with with everything that's been going on and that farmers you know are, are going to be taken care of that is not necessarily true and there is nothing like making a crop on your own 
with a with a good market in a, in the best possible year there farmers don't want to have to be receiving a handout quote unquote and you have to have skin in the game for crop insurance you if you do not pay into the system you cannot get anything out exactly. of the system so this is not like oh i automatically have crop insurance no you have car insurance you pay every month for your car insurance they have crop insurance they pay every year for the crop insurance and if they don't pay for crop insurance guess what it's a loss. Nothing covers it. And speaking of skin in the game, how many of these people commenting have ever farmed before? How many it, grow their own food? Exactly. All of this money that you think is going to support these wealthy, quote unquote, wealthy farmers. You know, you're, every day you get up and eat. Supporting them supports you. It's not one or the other. And that's know? that's what cracks me up is that the other comment that I see quite frequently on all these different social media pages is, uh, government subsidies for farmers are the biggest waste of taxpayer dollars. I ain't never seen a poor <laughs> farmer. Right. And I said, oh, well... Uh, then you don't know any farmers. And it's it's every fiber in my being not to not Comment. to lash out. <laughs> well, let's, let's switch to something that you can talk about more. I know we have talked about the Tomlinsons. All of the YFNR folks are going to be at our upcoming convention in the middle of June here. June 17th, is that right? No, June 20th. June 20th. Okay, 20th that's the when, 23rd. Come that's on, when Neil. it starts. Well, that's, 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 that's the day that's that's I go. to go. I go down, down the 17th, 17th yeah. yes. to be honest. So, Kristen, tell us, so, you know, what are we looking at coming up and, and what are some of the things going on there? Well, we've got, I, I don't know if Carl has talked about the other two contestants but he seems like he's got three excellent families that are up for this award. So they're going to be giving that award uh, in addition to a host of other awards. Uh, we've got, I'm currently working on some videos for convention that we show at the beginning of our nightly events. There's a Queen's contest. Um, we're giving away some really awesome social media prizes, a DJ, DJI Spark drone, hey, uh, uh, <laughs> iPad. Uh, can, can I enter for that? Yeah, yeah. You know how Sorry, that goes. that's not how it works. Members you of the Louisiana ineligible. Farm Bureau are eligible. However, employees of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation right. and its affiliated companies are not eligible for this prize. Thanks for playing. This is a nice <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> but these are like all these are all awards that you can't enter. You just can't win. <laughs> I, I well, how, how do people enter to to win these prizes? So if you're at convention, shoot shoot a post on social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Put a picture, a video, anything that's going on, and use the hashtag LFBF. 1919 and you'll be eligible to win one of these prizes and we're also giving away a GoPro the latest GoPro 7 and uh, some I think that's AirPods. everything some and, AirPods and, for our social media conference right, but you have to be at the social media conference so be sure and, and come by and see the the shark farmer will be our guest speaker so. that's gonna be cool we, we talk about uh, you're not only the co-host of Twilight Kristen you also do a, a lot of the social media work for this week in Louisiana Agriculture and Louisiana Farm Bureau, um, and probably a few other accounts. If I didn't, <laughs> I can't keep up with them all. But Instagram. why is it so important for you know why why are we doing these giveaways to get people tweeting and texting and Instagramming and Facebooking well, about? We want people to get active on the, on these pages, and you know, the first step is to get them to like and to to see our content that we're putting out because it's 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 content that's relevant for for our Farm Bureau members, for our farmers and ranchers. So, you know, we want them to get active and we want them to see the information that we're putting out and share it with us, too. 
And I want to clarify a couple of things. Number one, what we're talking about is the 97th Annual Convention of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation in New Orleans held at the Marriott every year. And if you're wondering, the second thing I want to clarify, if you're wondering where Kristen has all the energy to make all these posts and put all this together, it's the five-hour energy extra strength mint lemonade flavor that she has sitting right in front of her right now. You know what? (laughs) It's probably real good for your heart. Yeah. I want to see you drive back two hours in the... Yeah. Oh, I'd be right behind the wheel with Slayer pumped. Well, that's one thing when the sun's blood. shining. Yeah, but it's for raining. Any, for it's anyone raining that rain. can't see right now, Avery's eyes are real wide when he starts talking about Slayer. And <laughs> All right. Well, I, I right now I need to go get one of those so I can I can stay awake here. Well, last one thing of, I wanted to mention before I know you're trying sure. to wrap this up, but Kristen, one of the things that is so important, I think, about social media and people getting people posting about it. Yeah, I didn't know where you were. You were I'm sorry. Wanted me to I had go something, with that. I had someone to share about that because one of the things that uh, we, I, I've talked with all three of my wife and our finalists just to kind of bring this on up here to this this part of the, the t- discussion is they're all three talking about ways that they can share their stories. And social media is a great place that we're seeing a lot of young farmers, old farmers. Jim Harper is one of the best. He is one of the best. I will say that. And I told him to go ahead and start making his post public because right now he's just posting them for his friends. I was like, Jim, what I love about your posts is w- – that you end everyone with on our farm today. Mm-hmm. Every single time mm-hmm. it's Clearfield Rice emerging on our farm today. Yeah. And it gives people an idea of what is going on on his farm today. It's it's such a simple little message, but it ties each one of them together and makes it makes it personal. Yeah. Casey That's Luckett's of, also an example of somebody who through the good times and the bad, yeah. she posts what's going on and I think, you know, she does it for her business because she has CSA followers that follow her and to know what's going on. But she also helps you understand the the plight of, of Not farmers. Not so good side of it. I mean, Amelia Kent's another one who does a great job with social media. You know, we, we're blessed in Louisiana with a lot of great communicating farmers and ranchers who really want to connect with you, the consumer. They want you to know exactly what they do because they're one of you. Every single every single farmer I know he, I know eats right. and eats what they grow. And every single one of us who don't farm, we eat. And so we really need to, to, to appreciate and understand what our farmers go through each and every day. And support them any chance you can. And on that note, I think that that's one of the other real good benefits of social media is you can connect with a lot of these farmers and ranchers and buy their products usually for cheaper and fresher than you can anywhere else. That's a really good incentive to, to get on all these social media uh, you know, programs and, and follow us and you can connect to them. Anyway, I want to thank uh, Avery, Kristen, and Carl for joining us today. And uh, that's all from here. See you later. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and even share it with a friend or two. Also, if you liked it, go ahead and leave us a review. Tell us what you think about the show. What would you like to hear more of? What do you not like that much? That's okay to hear too. The Twilight After Show podcast is brought to you by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again right here next week.